Welcome to Restoration Church. At Restoration, we focus on reaching the lost, reviving their lives with the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, and restoring hearts, minds, relationships through the power of the gospel. We are a church equipping and empowering the body of Christ to reach their full potential in Christ. We are led by Pastor Rex and Jennifer Hare. We hope you are encouraged by this morning's sermon. I was sitting over there in my seat and I was thinking, I was like, man, all these parents out here, they got all their kids dressed up in their Sunday best. And I said, and this fellow, George Parsons, I was like, well, this is my kid, so I'm going to show her off this way. Right it is. She's in her Sunday best and uh, she's dancing before the Lord without any clothes on. So. Kind of goes with uh, Jordan's little thing. So. Today, we're going to talk about what if Jesus were here today. And I, I love that song we sang at the end. It was just, it was a great song. And um, if if they weren't in, if they were here in here at the end, I'd love for them to do it again. But it, it has a lot to do with that. The very first line it says, you know, you never change. Jesus never changes, and I want you to think about that as we get through this today. All right, so so a little bit about how I got started. Um, you know, here lately I've been noticing a lot of people who say, you know, I I relate to a different generation. You know, I wish I was born in the 40s, or I wish I was born in the 50s. Um, and, and, and we see stuff like their clothing, their cars, and we're like, their music. We're like, that's where I should have been at. That's where I should have been born at. I should have been born in the roaring 20s or whatever it was. So in the 20s, if you show the first slide, Bree, they had the jazz and they had the flappers. In the 50s, this provocative photo, by the way, Julie said. In the 50s, they had um, new cars, suburban houses, drive-in movies. That was still the 20s. Go one more. In the 50s, they had uh, new cars, suburban houses, and drive-in movies. You get another one for that one. Iconic cars. So I know some of you wish you had. The next one. Drive-in movie theaters. Everybody loves a good drive-in movie theaters. We're trying to bring those back. Next one. All right. So this is the seventies. The seventies, which is bell bottoms. Next one. The disco. I'm not going to show you all that this morning, but I can do it pretty well. And in the nineties, <laughs> the nineties, we had friends that came out. We had classic rock music, and we just had a great time. Stop right there for a minute. Um, and some of you may see this stuff and you're like, you know what, I relate to that. I relate to the 90s, that's when I was born, and I, I, I was proud of it, and I'm proud of, I'm proud of when I was born and all the uh, things that are going on. But in each era, they had their own sense of, of struggles and all, all the bad things that happened. In the 20s, they had the economy that collapsed. They were giving away free coffee and donuts for the unemployed. Uh, in the 50s, they had polio epidemics and racial discrimination was the worst in its time. In the 70s, it was the most violent decade, Watergate, and the Beatles broke up. You know, you're mostly concerned about that. In the 90s, we had one of the worst things ever, and that's dial-up. <laughs> if we had to do church on dial-up, we wouldn't be having church this morning. We'd be just uh, looking straight out of the Bible ourselves. Um, had a bunch of drug problems, a bunch of STDs and HIV problems in the 90s. And I think of it, and I'm like, all of these struggles... And one of the biggest struggles today is, especially with our kids, most of us can't live if the Wi-Fi goes out for an hour. That's one of the biggest struggles today. Um, so that brings me to my, my question today. What if Jesus were here today? What if he were today, here today, and who would he be? 
I know a lot of times we speculate, you know, where would he stand on this, this, and that? And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to talk about who he was in some situations that are happening today. Matthew 5, 44, if you would. All right, so here's my first thing that I'd like to say. If Jesus were here today, he would love. That's the first thing that he would do. He would love. If you want me to prove it, Matthew 5, 44. But I say unto you, love your enemies and pray for them that persecute you. I was listening to the radio the other morning and I heard a statistic and it was about um, it was about the Democrats and it said that, that the most feared thing they fear right now is Trump supporters and white supremacists. And that kind of concerned me a little bit and it made me think that, you know, it's kind of scary if we live in a world today where we can't even live our lives and love our neighbors because we're so concerned about what they believe or what they think, whether it's right or whether it's wrong. Um, and, you know, we get so caught up sometimes whether they're left wing or whether they're right wing or whether they're they're in the middle. We just, we, we blame them for that and we don't love them for who they are, uh, right or wrong. And sometimes we can be so mean about it, but Jesus was so loving. All right, I've got a question for one of you today. I'll, I'll let Jason be my guinea pig. Jason, today, if, if somebody were to come get you, the police were to come get you, and they were to say, you got all these crimes against you that you didn't commit, you're going to go to the electric chair, would you do it or would you fight? Yes, would you go to lecture chair willingly? That's what I'm asking. So the answer is no. Alright, so that makes me think how far our love would really go. Because we have a Savior that came to this world and willingly took all of our crimes, all of our sins that we ever committed, ever will commit, and died for them. For crimes he did not commit. And it makes me think how far will our love really go? You know, how far will our love go for our enemies? When will we at least forgive people that might have messed up one time? I was listening, uh, I seen a Facebook post the other day, and it was talking about how you can go to McDonald's a hundred times, and ninety-nine times out of a hundred, they'll mess your order up, and you'll still go back. But if a small business messes up one time, you'll blame them for the rest of your life. You'll leave them a bunch of bad Yelp reviews, like we were talking about the other night, bad Yelp reviews, and you won't even talk to them ever again. When will we at least forgive if we're not going to love? If God's grace is sufficient enough for me and for what I've done, it's sufficient enough for everybody that's ever wronged me. Yeah. Right. That's good. All right. Um, Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, and he said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. All right. How much do you actually love your heavenly Father? I'm not asking how much you love Jesus. I'm asking how, how much you actually love God. I think a lot of times we get so caught up that we, we talk about Jesus, we talk about the Holy Spirit, but we leave God out. As a kid, you know, as, as, as kids, we always want to impress our parents. We want to impress our father and mother. Uh, just the other day, I, I tried to impress my dad. Um, have, how many of y'all ever played the game, the little ninja fruit cutting game, where the, ninja, the fruit pops up, you cut it, you slice it? That was me the other day cutting a tree down. I was like a ninja cutting it down. And I was going as fast as I could just to impress my dad. Because that's what we try to do. We try to we try to feel that love. We try to be like them and do the best we can to show our love for them. You know, no money that I ever give them will ever make them love me more. The only thing will is if I who I choose to be every day and how I treat them and how late I wait to put them in a nursing home. Um, <laughs> Um, some of you, it's for your spouse as well. Unless gifts, like my wife, unless gifts is her love language. Uh, but being the best you can be and treating them right is how you show that you love them. 
Even a step farther, your kids, how do you show them you love them? You're there for them, right? You know, you hang out with them, you, you play, you play uh, catch, you throw the football, whatever it is, that's how you show them. You tea parties, ready for that. I was walking through Target the other day looking at baby dolls just so I could get ready to buy them. <laughs> just where I'm at right now, okay? <laughs> and, uh, that's how we show them we love them. But it's the same with God, you know. Jesus showed his love for his Father by not sinning. He showed by living a perfect life that he loved his Father. By doing everything that he was called to do, he showed that he loved God. So that's a challenge to all of us in itself. Are you living a life for God to show that we love him? Matthew 26, 26 through 29, if you would. I got a lot of scripture. That's why I'm not open to my Bible because I've got a lot of it to go through. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed and break it. And he gave his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup and gave thanks and gave them saying, drink, eat, all of it. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for many under remission of sins. But I say unto you, I shall not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. All right, so what were they doing here? They were taking communion. They were taking the blood. They were taking the bread. And, and, and what it represents, the Lord was talking about here. I looked up the other day. It was the first thing I thought of, like we were talking about the electric chair, of last meals of several murderers or several serial killers, whatever it was. And I, I wanted to share those with you this morning, how weird these were. Timothy McVeigh asked for mint chocolate chip ice cream. That's all he wanted. Adolf Eichmann, I guess that's how you say it, wanted red wine. John Wayne Gacy, I know a lot of you know them. He wanted 12 fried shrimp, a bucket of KFC chicken, fries and strawberries. Ted Bundy, several of you know him. Uh, steak, eggs, toast, milk, biscuit, and jelly. And then the last one, which was the most weird, was Victor Fugger. All he asked for was one olive. Definitely a, definitely a psychopath there. Um, so how did Jesus spend his last meal? He spent his last meal having communion with his family, with his friends, with the people he cared about. He chose to have his last meal on earth with the people around him, the people that he would die for. Judas, who would betray him, who would sell him for coins. Peter, who would later deny him, he spent his last meal with him. And he still didn't act no different. He still loved him. Uh, a lot of spe people speculate today's times of how Jesus would react to the LGBTQ community. It's hard to say that fast. I'll say this. I believe Jesus would call sin, sin, but I believe he would have them at his table next to him immediately. I believe he would love them. I believe he would show them compassion, and I believe he would help them change their ways and live for a life for them because that's who he is. Jesus accepts us as broken, but through him and through repentance of our sins, we can live with him forever and be saved. Jesus loves all of us, but I can promise us one thing. We won't all meet him unless we change our lives and live for him. Um, this this election that we just had, I know it, it sparked a lot of fear in a lot of lives. We, we preached on that several times just because there was a lot of fear going around. A lot of Facebook videos going around of what's going to happen, this, this, and that. Um, a lot of change. You know, we're so worried about the change. Uh, and change itself can be scary. Um I think just changing this Wednesday night thing to mainly be about kids was a little scary for us, but but you know it turned out good. We saw all these kids that were having a great time, and we knew God would God would honor that because we were doing something for Him. So I, it brought me to the question: If Jesus were here today, how would He feel about this election? I'm just let you think on that for a second. I'll tell you how He'd feel about this election. Jesus wouldn't worry. Luke two forty nine, please. 
And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Know ye not that I must be in my father's house? If you know that verse, you know what the context of that verse. Jesus is 13 years old and he's in the synagogues preaching and teaching just to other uh, to other teachers in that day. He's 13 years old and he doesn't have a care in the world where his parents are. He's not worried they've already left. He doesn't even know they left and they're on the next town uh, heading back home. At 13, he's living his life for God. He's about his father's business. And it just made me think, he's, he's not worried about anything. Because he knows his God in heaven has got everything under control. And we should all know that. At 13, he's living a life for Christ. And it makes me think today's society, if I, at 13, would have lived a life for Christ. I didn't, but what if I did? How scary it would have been. How, how being in school, that just the thought of being called a Christian nowadays makes people think that you hate them just for their sins. You know, it, there's a big uh, stipulation that's put on Christians that we hate everything, every people. But it's not that. We don't hate people. We hate sin. We don't agree with sin. But that doesn't mean we get to hate people. Um, and it's really scary to think about. It really is. But this kid, 13 years old, who was uh, part man, part God, or all God, really, um, he came to the world, and at 13, he's preaching the gospel, and he's not worried about a thing. Matthew 14, 12 through 14. This is talking about the death of John the Baptist. And his disciples came and took up the corpse and buried him, and they went and told Jesus. Now when Jesus heard it, he withdrew from thence abode to a desert place apart. And when the multitudes heard thereof, they followed him on foot from the cities. And he came forth and saw a great multitude, and he had compassion on them, and healed their sick. All right, when I was reading this, it was really stirred up in my spirit, and I, I thought a lot about Rex. I thought about how, you know, for weeks after his mother passed away, um, a year ago, of how how hard that must have been that he pressed on and still lived for Christ and came in here and preached every Sunday. Um, and that's what Jesus was doing here. We're talking about Jesus' cousin. We're talking about the same baby that leaped in the womb when he got next to Jesus in the womb. We're talking about the same person that Jesus loved, that he was close to. You know, and he didn't even really ever hang out with him much, but it was his cousin and, and, and the big deal that, that paved the way for Jesus to come. But he wasn't worried. He wanted some time to mourn. He went to be by himself. But when the multitudes came, he pressed on. He healed them. He done what he had to do. I think of just the other night when we're having Wednesday service. I think of John telling people about the salvation. Telling them about what Christ, what Christ is and what he represents. And how hard it must be, but still pressing on. And that's being Jesus. That's what matters. That's what's being Jesus' life. Not worrying about the past. Not worrying about what's going on. But pressing on towards the future. And still living in the calling of today. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was worried about a job that we were going to do. Um, and my daddy said, you know, no worries. We'll get it done. I wanted to leave. I was so nervous about it. I didn't think it was going to go well. And, uh, you know, whenever your dad tells you it's going to be okay, you don't worry about it. Ain't that right, Cody? Whenever you build your house, he says, oh, don't worry about it. It'll work out. And it works out. It always does. They know. It's the same way with our Father in heaven. He wouldn't worry. Jesus didn't worry when he was on earth. We have no reason to worry today. Matthew 26, 50 through 52, if you would. And Jesus said unto him, Friend, do that for which thou art came. Then thou came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. And behold, one of them that were there with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, and smote the servant of the high priest and struck off his ear. Then Jesus said unto him, Put up again thy sword into its place, for all that they take the sword shall perish 
with you somewhere. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, when I read this, you know, the first thing I thought of was like, you know, it said they laid hands on Jesus. Jesus could have gave him the hands if he wanted to. He definitely could have. Jesus could have spoke a word and, and a, a bunch of water balloons that weren't even admitted could have kept him safe for, for years and never even messed with him. Jesus could have done whatever he wanted to, but it wasn't God's will. Jesus wasn't worried. Jesus knew that they were coming to take him. Jesus knew that he was going to die on the cross, but he wasn't worried one bit. He knew that God had a plan for him. People are coming today for our constitutional rights. People are coming daily to take away what Christians stand for. Stand for. But don't fear, because Jesus never did. Paul was thrown into jail for, for Christ, and yet he wrote two books of the Bible while he was in there. Don't you think God has a purpose for your life even when things go wrong? There's no need to worry. He has a plan. Um, I, I talked about it the other night when we had our men's group. I was talking about how every day the world's getting worse and worse off. And, you know, we, we hear about how people are trying to silence Christians, how, you know, maybe in a couple of years we may not even be able to read the Bible with the way it's going. It, it's crazy to think about and it's very scary. And, and one day it might even be illegal like it is in some countries. And I wonder what should we do if we couldn't tell people about Christ? I'll tell you what Jesus did in Matthew 5. I don't have a verse for that, but the whole chapter of Matthew 5 is a sermon on the mount. If Jesus was here, was here today, he'd preach the gospel. He'd tell people about, about, about him and about his plan and about God's ultimate goal for your life. The sermon on the mount, he taught about lust, he taught about divorce, he taught about lies, he taught about retaliation, he taught about giving, he taught about fasting, judging, he taught about a lot of things. And it makes me think, how many of you have ever had to have that hard conversation with someone and said, hey, you're living in sin, you know, you're doing something that's not right. It's not always easy. Or how many of you have been on the other side of the stick and somebody told you you're living in sin? I know when it's happened to me before, my first reaction is to reject it, is to back up, is to say, well, this, this, and this. Now imagine standing in this pulpit today preaching about how you're sinning. And all of us are sinners. It's pretty tough. But what gives me hope is knowing that Jesus did it today. Uh, Jesus stepped on people's toes and he wasn't afraid to. Because you know why? Jesus knew what hell was like. And he doesn't want any of us to go there. He loves us enough to tell us anyways, even though it's tough. And if he were here today, he would tell you your sins and he would, leave, he would help you love you through them. He would preach today even if it meant going to jail or even if it meant the electric chair. And guess what? He would still preach today even if it hurt your feelings. Even if you didn't like it or even if I don't agree with it because his word is true. Um, and, 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 and sometimes we get to that place and we're like, you know, I want to tell people about Jesus, but what do I say? How do I know what to say? You know, I don't want to like I said, I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings, but, but I'm trying to tell them about Christ, so I want to do it in love. I'll tell you what Jesus would do. Matthew 26, 36. If Jesus were here today, he'd pray. Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, and said unto the disciples, Sit ye here while I go yonder and pray. Moments before they were come to take him to be persecuted for his faith, he prayed. I think a lot of times when I'm on my job and we're doing stuff that, that, that's risky or whatever, I, I pray daily. I have an ongoing conversation with the Lord because I've got a lot of stuff that, that I have to worry about. That one thing goes wrong, I have a lot of families that I have to worry about. But right before I make a big decision, I always pray. 
And just like Jesus, more moments before he was taken, he was praying. A lot of the times, we don't know what's next. We don't know what the Father has in store for us. But even Jesus prayed to his Father because he knew he knew what was going to happen. A lot of people want prayer taken away. But Jesus prayed anyways. He wasn't afraid to, and he would today. He would in schools. He would in church. He would in, in federal buildings. He would everywhere. He would pray. Matthew 27, 46, please. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, you can all read that, I can't. That is my God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? So Jesus is on the cross and he's, he's calling out to God. Even moments before he died, Jesus was praying to God. Moments before he died. It's a big deal to pray today, guys. Prayer is one of the biggest things that we need in our communities, in our lives. Having a relationship with Christ is the biggest thing in our lives. And that's the way you get it, is through prayer and reading your word. Um, all right, so, so like we talked about earlier, uh, each decade brought its own trials, but also it brought its own sense of temptations. In today's society, sin runs rampant, and it's very easy to fall into sin. There's so many sins that are so easy to just at the touch of the fingertips. But if Jesus were here today, he wouldn't sin. Matthew 4, 1. Then was Jesus led up to the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, Jesus fasted. He didn't eat in the wilderness. And then Satan came and he tempted Jesus. Jesus was tempted more... Uh, Jesus was tempted more than my wife when she's in a Target and sees a Starbucks. Yeah. Um, I had to put that one in there. But for 40 days without food, I couldn't even imagine. I can't even imagine four days without food. Sometimes I can't even imagine four hours without food. <laughs> I like to eat. Uh, and, and in society today, it's a nonstop temptation from the devil. Everywhere we look around us today, sin is open. It's available. It's right there. We've got several sins in today's society. We've got a big push that it's a me society. It's do what you want to do. Be who you want to be. You know, it's all about you. We've got lust, greed, pornography, abortion. It's all right here at our fingertips and can be done in a matter of seconds. It's that easy and it's that big of a temptation. But I think one of the biggest temptations that the devil uses today is our emotions, is our feelings. I've been watching a bunch of YouTube videos here lately because my buddy John, he told me about informational videos, so I've been trying to learn. And uh, there's this people called Jubilee, and they bring people together, and they let them tell their story and, and try to get people to meet and understand the middle ground and stuff. But I watched one the other day about how Christians that turned atheist and why they turned atheist. <clears throat> and it made me think and hear in their situations, I really feel for them. At some points, I understand. You know, I understand what pushed them. I see how they got there. You know, when we hurt for them, you see what they go through. One of the people said they hadn't felt the affection of somebody in a month, so they hugged the clothes in their closet just to feel a human affection. That's crazy. That's crazy, folks. And it's sad what's going on in America today. I, as a human in America, believe that everyone should have the right in America to be who you want to be. But I, as a Christian believer, that living believe that living for Christ and taking up your cross daily is the only way. A lot of times as Christians, we get on people's level. We understand what they go through, so we start to feel for them. And when we start to feel for them, when, G when the devil uses that emotion, he, he can make you feel for them, and he'll start telling you, well, that's okay that they do that. You know, it's not that big of a deal. 
you know, what, what's wrong with that? I mean, it's not that big of a deal. And we start to understand it. And that's how society is becoming today. We're allowing sin to be okay. But we cross a line when we start going against the Bible. Sin is sin, simple as that. We don't decide it, we read it. It's right here and it tells us what it is. It isn't changing. Our era of fake news, feels, and false prophets has made it tougher and tougher every day to be a Christian. Let's be clear, there's a lot of people in this world today who claim to be Christian, but there's only one real Christian, and that's someone who lives Christ-like. That's someone who lives like Jesus lived and who, like Jesus, would live today. Who refuses to live with sin in their life. If Jesus were here today, he wouldn't sin. How do I know these things? Hebrews 13, 8, please. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Malachi 3, 6. For I, Jehovah, change not. Therefore ye, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Numbers 23, 19, please. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, will he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and will he not make it good? God doesn't change. I wish everybody understand that. Nothing in this Bible changes. Nothing of who God was changes. He is who he is today, and he is who he is tomorrow. Stop trying to alter God's word and who he was to fit your unchristlike lifestyle. Instead, be a Christian and live Christ-like and live for this Bible. So I circle back to my title for my question today and for my challenge today. What if Jesus were here today? What if he was in Washington, D.C. telling people the gospel? How many of you would believe him but couldn't pull the trigger to follow him? Couldn't pull the trigger to give up your lives uh, and, and, and to ultimately live for him? How many, uh, if he was in here today and he looked you in the eyes like Nicodemus and said, follow me, would give up your life and start walking with him, living with him? What if he looked you in the eyes and said, you are living in sin? Would you change? Would you stop doing what you were doing? Would you repent and believe? Really, would you? But he is asking you to. Matthew 4, 17, please. From that time began Jesus to preach and to say, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's asking you today, folks. Are you going to live for him? Are you going to change your life for him? He's the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. It's that easy. Pick up his word and know him. He can be here today in your heart if you choose for him to be. So let Jesus live through you so you can show people who he would be today. I'm going to pray for us. Dear Lord, thank you for this word, Lord. I, I am so grateful for this word and being able to get up here and preach and just being able to fellowship with your believers, Lord, and learn more about you and, and worship you, Lord. We are so grateful for you, Lord. So grateful. Thank you for being with us today and your spirit moving with us, Lord. We're, we're just so grateful for that. Just keep us all safe as we go throughout the week and return on Wednesday, Lord, and let us let us have a great week, Lord. Let us let us pray to you in that time. And let us live like you, Lord. We're so thankful for that. We pray for the people that weren't able to be here. We pray for Rex and Jennifer as they return from their trip, Lord. We thank you for them, Lord. We thank you for them. We thank you for all that you're going to do for this church. We thank you for this building that is going to be out here, church. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you. We thank you for all the people, all the kids that are going to start to pour in and we're going to be able to pour into their lives, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for that.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.